0: When you jump and learn something new and allow yourself to completely be exposed to that experience just to see how it turns out, you learn a great deal about yourself. People don't do that. they constantly keep putting themselves into boxes and they say only being in a box, somehow I'll figure myself out. this is safe, this is secured. And uh, this is Carl Humes' line who is a father of modern analytical psychology uh he says that if you find yourself if you know who all you can be what all you can do and when you have that connect and you know you have used all your potential by the end of your life that is the best feeling one can have Welcome to Absolutely Right, India's first graphology-based leadership show. I'm your host, Aditi Sarana. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high-performance coach, and founder of India's First. Oh, let me correct myself. India's only mental gym called APT. The website is aptmentalgym.com. Today's topic is very interesting, and I have three wonderful listeners with me. We're going to talk about passion and not the the gratification of it, not how passion makes you the superhero, how it makes you fall in love with your work every day. That's what we have all learned, me of all the people. I have chosen graphology, which was my passion as my profession. But after some time, when you walk the path of being passionate about something, it still gets stressful. You get anxious, things just stop working, and you do not feel the same love you used to feel when you fall in that fall in love with the same concept in the beginning, it feels like a relationship, but is it, or is it not? That's what we're going to explore today with three of our wonderful listeners. Hello, ladies. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you Hello. for having us. Hello. Hi, Hello. So I'm going
0: to request you to introduce yourself briefly about what you do, who you are, and what is your passion? And then we will get started.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Sanjana. And I was a software engineer, but I transitioned into a different work right now. I am working as an educator now. Uh, I work with children in an organization called Teach for India. So it okay. provides yeah, quality education to children from under-resourced communities. So I work as a teacher coach, uh, training adults who can provide education to our children. And few things that I love are swimming. I love swimming a lot. I love to read books. I love to travel, I love to hold small group conversations with people and uh, so regarding the passion part, I'll come a little later because the interesting part is, this is something I've always questioned myself, Um, there's not a one particular thing that has ever been my passion, so this is something I've always questioned myself uh because it's out there a lot so i i don't have a particular passion but there are many things that i'm curious and interested in so looking forward to talk about that
0: so the question that you will have for me is if you're multi-passionate what do you do is it
1: um a little on those lines a little different as well like i've always questioned myself is it wrong to not have a passion Uh, like am i am i not focused am i not like ambitious enough that i don't don't have a particular interest uh, i dabble in a lot of things so does that make me like you know less ambitious or less focused in life so that's something that i always wanted to kind of uh, talk about or understand
2: hi everyone i'm rohini thank you aditi for having us on this conversation Listening to Sanjana, I felt like she's my soulmate from another planet because (laughs) uh, I love conversations as well. So I think it's fitting we're all here today. Also a former software engineer. And then I did a complete 180 and started working with children. And I am a... Uh, qualified storyteller with Katalia. I did my diploma in storytelling, believe it or not, it's a complete, uh, it's a game changer from the software industry. I'm also a corporate trainer. So I do training programs as well for adults. And I try to mix both the worlds of uh, training and storytelling. And it's interesting, we were talking about listening, because that's a very essential skill in both these fields that I currently work with. I'm also very passionate about uh, service in where, So I volunteer with an organization and uh, we do what we can. We do projects to empower women across the country. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and it's lovely to be here today. And like Sanjana, again, I don't, I've always been very curious about people who have known their passion at a young age. And Aditi, that fascinates me about you. I have a niece. Who decided at the age of nine that she wanted to be a pilot? And that's something that's mind boggling yeah. for me. I Let's remember. say I'm an explorer of my passions. Mm-hmm. I have many. Okay. Yes. Hi,
3: Aditi. Again, thank you for giving this opportunity. Grateful for this. Could connect with the people who are kind of, you know, I could sync with what Sanjana said and in fact with Rohini as well. So, I, uh, as a homeopath doctor, uh, was actually never interested in practice. so when the corporate thing came and that's a funny thing but that's a fact so when I started with the corporate I was asked are you doing the are you doing the right thing and I was being questioned at that time and I was I was confused I was in a dilemma I was lost to start with I sailed for 10 years and then on the first opportunity I left my job for corporate Mm -hmm. so talking about passion I felt the passion three times so one was homeopathy always fascinates me Mm-hmm. So the, the, the physical condition that I'm having, I, I take homeopathy and it's wonderful magical therapy. I fell out of it. Then I was madly in love with counseling.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was
3: like, this is what I want to do in my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And this is it. But mm-hmm. then I again fall out of it. I, I got so anxious. No, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was back to corporate. And I believe now I have found my passion. Uh, one thing to add, Aditi. There's a uh, Things come to a circle. The mm. very first time when I wrote a page for you, for the handwriting analysis, I remember writing that there are three kinds of people, the one who know what they want to do. And I fall into the set of people who don't know what to do with their life because we don't know what our passion is. Mm. Then and now I see the journey.
0: <laughs> and it's amazing. Kind? It's amazing. What is the third okay, kind? The first is, okay, I don't remember what I had written <laughs> the first time. But yes, I'm curious. I'm like, what's happened in
3: the story? again. Okay. So, so I, had, I had written it very nicely. So I love to write. I think I can write maybe sometime. Nice. Uh, so there is one category who know what they want to do. There mm. is one category who know what not to do. Ah. And then I said, I am the one who doesn't know what to do in my life. I mean, either ways, what not to do and what to do. Right.
0: Because Complete strategy. confusion. Yeah. And now we're talking about passion and figuring out how to stay attuned or is it even real? Yes. So thank yes. you so much for all your questions and introduction. For our listeners, to set the context, we have handwriting samples of all these three beautiful ladies and they have the samples of one another. So every time I'm going to look at, at their writing and talk about a particular trait They're going to look for that stroke in other person's writing and kind of get a perspective. Now, you don't have access to the writing samples, but I will make sure that I describe every single stroke and formation. So you can analyze your own handwriting and see if that trait is applicable to you or not. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at Sanjana's question along with her handwriting sample.
1: So my question was that um, fashion is a very big term, right? In today's world. I think growing up, even now, like I I never felt like I had one specific particular passion that set my world on fire. Um, (laughs) I I, I have been interested in many things uh, and and whatever comes my way, I try to give my best in there, but I I never had a specific passion um, towards anything in particular and that made me always question myself, am I less ambitious, am I less of a empowered woman? Uh, mm-hmm. who doesn't have a specific goal. So this was always something on my mind. Um, okay. Yeah. So that...
0: So before I say anything about passion, let me confess, let me accept that the whole idea of passion is overrated. So many times people think it's going to be this one thing. It is as glorious, as glorified as that one prince charming who's going to come on the horse and who's just gonna be with you for life. Yeah, that story is overrated. We know all empowered women by now know this and even men for that matter. Similarly, the one thing that you're gonna be passionate about doesn't happen. And I think it is, is overrated because if I look at my career, you know, it, it appears that I've been passionate about human mind and its development and graphology to be specific. But along with that, I am super passionate about yoga. I'm super passionate about art. I'm super passionate about cooking. If you ask me about all these three fields to begin with, reading, writing, also there. But these four, five things, I'm, I love them so much. If I'm talking about it, people would think I'm, I have a full-fledged career in that field because I read so much about it. I'm constantly practicing it, making sure that. So it's not one thing is one thing that probably the world knows about. The one thing that you put out there and say, you can remember me for this or not. But gone those days where people had one thing. Okay, most people that I meet, including all the high performers we interview on the show, are multi-passionate, multi-talented individuals. Okay, so if you are questioning... Are you like the less focused one? You never know, you might be the high performer kind and who has like multiple things. However, I'm gonna look at your handwriting sample and look at the lower zone of your writing. Now for our listeners, lower zone is the writing formation. So if you divide your writing into three vertical parts, so the upper zone has all the extensions, the, the antennas of letter H and letter T and letter B. middle zone is where you find a o u all the letters in the center and lower zone where you find the loops of letter y g j q anything that comes below the baseline or the horizontal line on which we write is called the lower zone so in sanjana's case if you look at the lower zone and you can find the handwriting sample there if you see it is It is 2 to 2.5 times and at times three times of the middle zone. Now, anybody with a long lower zone has curiosity beyond belief. They have multiple interests and they are constantly looking at things which are unexplored. So anytime anybody has that long extension. So you are, Sanjana, you would be be curious about people. Not that you want to be friends with them forever. You're just curious. So you want to go and have a conversation. Just see, hang around. And once you're done with it, you just want to come back. You're like that kid in the ice cream store who wants to go and try all the flavors and order the one that you already know you want to order. That's (laughs) true. That's very true. I do that. I actually do that. (laughs) yes so that definitely so because of which you will always have curiosities but do not mistake your curiosities for confusion those are explorations you require like I feel I if I wouldn't have explored art I wouldn't have found my passion my love my connect with it but because I explored one fine day let's just try this and it just worked like at 25, 26, that time I started learning Bharat Natyam and loved every bit of it. My teacher moved to Bangalore and I couldn't continue. But if given a chance, I would have finished my Visharath. Uh, sorry, Arangitram, if I could have finished it. But you know, you don't know. You Things that you know about yourself only when you throw yourself in that pool. So keep that one thing that is your larger project, but keep exploring. What could be better than that?
1: Can I just share something? Because you talked about exploration. So my entire family, one side of family is into government service. The other side of family is into IT sector, right? Oh my God. I moved from that field and went to this field of education. Social. Yeah, for the purpose. I just told myself, let's explore and see. Nobody has done this in my family. But I just want to explore and see what happens. So this is the word that I actually told myself (laughs) and jumped into it. Um, yeah so it's that's amazing we have I, i i really
0: feel like when you jump and learn something new and allow yourself to completely be exposed to that experience just to see how it turns out you learn a great deal about yourself people don't do that they constantly keep putting themselves into boxes and they say only being in a box somehow i'll figure myself out this is safe this is secured And uh, this is Carl Hume's line, who is a father of modern analytical psychology. Uh, He says that if you find yourself, if you know who all you can be, what all you can do, and when you have that connect and you know you have used all your potential by the end of your life, that is the best feeling one can have. So it might not fit one box because boxes are created by human beings. And we are so much more than one or two boxes one can build. So... I'm happy that you're exploring. Keep exploring. Yes, Rohini, your question.
2: Yeah, so my question, I think as soon as the topic came up was, uh, why does passion have to be very restrictive? (laughs) So just like I agree with everything you say, because life is all about exploration. And there are people who have done something in their 20s, gone on to do something else in their 40s, something, discover themselves and become actually really famous for something in their 60s. And I think passion is evolving. And I think these boxes that you talk about are what society and sometimes we ourselves put on ourselves to kind of limit our ability to explore. So my whole question was, um, is it necessary to define yourself by a passion? And as far as I'm concerned, passion is a feeling. It's the emotion you have to what you do right now, you're practicing graphology and you're passionate about it. So it's a feeling it's more an adjective, a descriptive term rather than a defining term which says excess passion is why? I mean, why? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So my question was that um, and I have seen people who have had a passion and been very disappointed when for various reasons that could not be achieved so our whole topic of why passion gives anxiety and people who do not have not had a specific passion but have just explored every opportunity that's come to them and who've become really successful as a result of it so to me i think the crux of it is being passionate about what you're doing in the moment and i think that is what will translate into and i totally agree with sanjana that uh, We can all have many, many passions and why not? Who's stopping us? I
0: love the way you you made passion instead of passionate instead of passion as an operative word. So it keeps growing, you keep working at it and it might not be the destination. When it comes to definition, forget about defining passion. I feel defining people by itself is wrong. Like in the career that I am in, I have seen people being very, very, label oriented when they spoke about other people like judgmental about oh you have this problem that I can see in your behavior through any psychometric tool or you belong to that type of personality you can't do this and I always questioned it until I became a a high performance coach I always wondered what if I don't have a skill what do I do with my life if I want to learn something for example I'm a dyslexic and technically writing is not my strongest suit I shouldn't be able to do it Until I found a teacher who had worked with kids of special needs. And I'm talking about 2019. I met her like two, three, three years ago. And that time she sat with me and she made writing so easy for me that now I write every other day. Like I literally, I write every day for some or other work needs and all of that. But if it were not for her, all my life I believed because I'm this label or like dyslexia or whatever label that is, I cannot do A, B, C. So if anyone tells you that, that only means you haven't explored the technique to do it. You might not be able to do it like other people who are natural at it. Probably, yeah, that's true. But if you find that, okay, if I choose to be passionate about learning anything, then you can always find a way. And my simplest way of looking at it is what I feel is being passionate is being extremely involved and paying attention to every small bit of it it is not that complicated when you're passionate what happens you start living in the presence of that idea so deeply that you just want to hang with that idea more and more it's almost like falling in love you want to hang with that person more or or uh, you know having a child or like you know, your firstborn, you just want to be around your child so much because you have never explored it before. It's happening for the first time. And that exploration, you're so involved in it, you really want to be around that curiosity, that innocence, people lose when they just feel, okay, I'm doing it for work, I'm doing it because I have to, this is what my job is. And they just lose the romance available in anything so I feel passion is that romantic feeling that you may
2: lose because you just start taking
0: things for granted
2: I love that can I just say this reminded me of Einstein's theory of relativity where he says if you're holding the hand of a pretty girl for an hour an hour seems like a minute but if you touch a hot plate for a minute it feels like an hour So if you do something with passion, an hour can feel like a minute. And if you do something with distaste, a minute can feel like an hour. Absolutely,
0: (laughs) that's brilliant.
3: Thank you, Rohini. Thank you. Seema, to you. So passion is something which actually led me to kind of a depression. So let me put it this way. So when we say passion, we relate it to our work, something that defines us. So I did a lot of, uh, I, I did a lot of Googling, I read about it. That I'm at the age of 42 and still I'm lost. What am I supposed to do? Don't I feel passionate about anything? So something is grossly wrong with me. Then I come across a TED talk wherein the person says it's okay if you don't have a passion. That's absolutely mm. fine if you don't have a passion. What more important is that you have to be happy. And that really made me go into thinking, okay. you know, the thought process that people who are at home, homemakers, mm. when they are in the kitchen, they enjoy doing the food. But again, my question is, is it really, really, really necessary to have a passion for each and every person? I mean, a person should be defined by the passion. So if I look at me, if you remember, I had said to you that I feel myself at times, you know, I'm kind of, uh, uh, I don't get into the depth of the things. Hmm. I find myself very uh, superficial. Hmm. So I don't feel about things very strongly.
2: Hmm.
3: I love to do things. I love reading. I love this. I love that. I love a lot of things like, again, dancing, trekking, traveling reading, I love the job which I do right now, I love counselling, but then I'm not madly into anything. I don't, by the definition, no. So help me understand, like, is it is it mandatory to be passionate about something or the other
0: in our entire life? I feel people who feel passionate about something naturally, without their knowledge, without any understanding, without any obvious effort, fall into a zone where the world becomes beautiful they just love doing what they're doing but they fall into it some people don't fall into it like arranged marriage they have to first get married and then figure out and then explore but yes but and that is why I think passion is over it also let's take little context here right back in the day when people chose careers like many many years ago even in Indian system let's look at it people just took the careers or professions of their parents and they continued then came the industrialization era where people just picked up jobs for the needs and they just kept working because they had to work and they had to pay the bills and they were supposed to work so we didn't speak about passion there In in this period, I'm saying after industrialization, it became the need, the production and output. So you became like literally a unit in the whole output producing mechanism until creative people couldn't hold themselves back and they say, wait a minute, this all is okay. But because I'm passionate, I'm going to do something different. So they became the defiant ones, the rebels who walked away from the industrial way of looking at things and they were spoken about, about because there were very few. Cut to, if you have to talk about today's time, we have all the possibilities in the world where you can do com- you can combine one thing with the other and create a third career altogether. And you can take yes. one piece from here and one piece from there and just create something that you truly, truly enjoy. So today, we don't have those problems that probably people had 30, 40 years ago. right? Today, we can mix anything. On top of that, people can switch careers, which never, ever happened. In human history, the possibility of switching careers in the middle of your very, very lucrative career was never available as it is available today. Yes. Right? So the avenues of exploring your passion and really doing what it takes are available more easily than ever before. Now, that has also created another challenge that because there are so many choices, that time back in the day, people had three choices. When I graduated, when I was in 10th standard, either arts or science or commerce. Like when I had this, yes. I took... Science, my father said, obviously, either you become doctor or engineer. When <laughs> I said morphology, he was like, oh, my God, what is so all So all of that happened because there were like limited boxes. But people were less anxious. They said, A, B, C, done. You know, I choose one of them and my life is set. I remember my friend saying this. Today, at the age of 9, 10, 12, 15, people have YouTube channels. And they have yes. three options that they're already very, very good at. I was talking to a close friend of mine, her daughter, actually, she's 13. And she is an amazing singer. She's very, very good with karate. And she writes very well. She was asking me, so what do you think I should pick up? I'm like, you're good at everything. And I don't want to look at your handwriting and decide at 13 what you should do because you have whole life to explore. So now the talents are easily available the learning, the, the ability to master something is available. So thereby, we are only and only differentiated by our willingness and our love to of doing what we do.
3: Yes, on that note, Aditi, just a quick question. So uh, as I said, so we have transitioned from then to now. We have a lot of options open. So has led to com- comparison. So when I see my counterparts finding their passion. At the right time. At the right time. <laughs> and still, at fourteen, 45, if I'm struggling, you know, I it it, it makes me feel... Uh, that's where in this question comes that is it, like, really important for me to uh, have that passion to get hold of it? Or it's okay that, you know, to be with it. Yes, I will eventually at some point of time. And understand see, what actually it is.
0: But see, that's what I'm trying to say. That there is no one idea of passion. The point is can you be intensely involved and completely present with anything? Do you have any any hobby, any interest in your life currently where you are completely involved, intensely involved and completely present? Do you have it? What would that be? I I think the pause explains. Yep. So if we pick up anything... And I mean, literally anything and start practicing being that involved and completely present with it. As they say in the Zen fables, right? Like a Zen master would ask somebody to only put the stones in one place for 20 years, for 15 years. I hope that we don't have to do that. But (laughs) just the act of putting the stones on top of one another and going through the journey and being completely involved with it can be transformative I didn't believe in all of this until I actually visited ashrams and I actually did the seva as they call it of serving food of of keeping the shoes in one place of cleaning the area when I physically did that I realized in order to do it with completely being involved being intensely involved and completely present requires a lot of work like it is not something you can just get done with when you get done with things you know oh i was not present only you know and the next day you wake up and you try one more time and the next day you wake up and you try one more time so during the pandemic i discovered that i really really enjoyed cleaning the ceiling fans and i could do them very passionately it's amazing <laughs> And, so everybody what you discovery. Yeah, and everybody in my house were like teasing me. I'm like, I can do it actually. That's so yeah. basic. No, but that's so wonderfully put Aditi. Absolutely. So dry. I could resonate it so well. And pick one thing and see how, what can you do to be intensely present. And what, again, I was just talking about it. What does it mean? Bringing all your five senses to that activity. Because what we do is most people I meet, they're preoccupied. They're eating, but they're watching TV. They are uh, talking to somebody, but they are on, you know, their half attention is on their phones. Or we are finishing our to-do list, but we are also saying, yeah, 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 I'm fully available to you. We are just preoccupied. And the example I can use is if there is a canvas, and if it is already colored in one or two tones, and if you have to create a fresh picture, a fresh, fresh painting, you don't have options. You have to either incorporate what is there or go around it. So you have only 30% of the creativity available because the canvas is already painted. That's exactly what happens with a preoccupied mind. We are here, but we are not here. And if any passion that you have ever experienced, you know this for sure. Like it happens to me, every single time I look at a handwriting sample when I start blushing talking about it I start blushing but if I start analyzing a handwriting sample I just like for me the world stops everything just becomes slow motion and I'm not kidding it is happening for 20 years I just know all if I want to go la 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 in my head like a Bollywood movie all I have to do is like pick a handwriting sample and start talking to a person it just becomes romantic now I'm I'm making I'm exaggerating, of course. But the idea is when you have something that makes you feel so connected, so one and completely available, that nothing matters. That is a moment of complete involvement. And the I simplest idea, the simplest idea there is, it feels so good that you don't want to mess with it. So you want to find more and more things in your life where you feel that good.
1: I think I Got it. so like wonderfully good. put. Thank you. In my swimming, when I swim, I definitely feel this way. Right. Like I'm so involved. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, like I had another question. Um, so we were talking about purpose, passion and anxiety, right? So um, what if, so this is for my personal experience, right? Uh, what if, like, I really love my work, right? I, I love doing what I do. But again, um, what if the workplace demands you to be a certain way which is maybe very different from what you are as a person and that kind of induces anxiety so for example for me i'll be very specific so i am not a shy person but maybe i am a little uh, like i i am very comfortable with small group conversations and not maybe suddenly like jumping and having a large group conversation which is perceived as being shy uh, in the workplace so that becomes a challenge and then many a times I am very anxious about how the workplace demands me to be in a certain way, um, which is very different from the entire culture of how the work is. So what do you do um, in that situation? something that has been on my mind.
0: So anxiety has, and I can speak a lot, I love, like we've done so much of work and we've seen so many shifts in anxiety at, at that one point. But let's understand, why do we feel anxious? Most people, and if I have to take this on the scale of skill and challenge levels, and I'm, I'm talking about this from a phenomenal work done by mihai Mihai in his concept of flow. He's a researcher psychologist. He spoke about flow and he created this diagram. And I love the way he defined anxiety. He said anxiety is where the challenge is much higher than your skill set. Right. Obviously, there are other things of anxiety, but I'm here talking about passion, work and and performance. I'm just sticking to this definition. But here, the challenge levels are much higher than your skill set available. And when you are thrown into the situation, you feel anxious because a part of you knows you do not know how to do it. You lack the skill of doing it. Now, what people do is they try to reduce the challenge level. They're like, oh, talking to many people is my problem. So let me talk to a smaller group of people. Right? And this is a point where I urge every single person I come across with this challenge to learn the skill. So you might be naturally very good at talking to small groups. Natural. You just walk there. You understand. You can connect with everybody. And you also know how to to build that small group great skill you didn't require training but the very moment you have to amplify it now probably you require training you don't have to figure it out on your own and also you don't have to feel anxious public speaking people consider as scary as snakes snake bite you know which is like one of the scariest feared one can have so now if you look at compare both of them people feel that level of anxiety while doing public speaking which means you don't require to be scared or anxious you just require to build that skill what if you find a teacher who can simply train you into this in next three months and then? what would that shift for you right instead of trying to figure this and saying oh my god probably my culture demands me to be something other than who I want to be I have a simple theory with that I feel if my work demands me to be something that I do not know how to be, I would learn the skill and give it a shot. If it feels uncomfortable or after having learned the skill, and if it feels completely unnatural, then probably I would ha- hire someone else to do it. When it came to podcasting, I struggled for the longest time to just talk to the mic. I always spoke with other people. So, but parts of podcasting is where you only speak to the mic. And I used to do dedicated episodes in Absolutely Right. And now we have seven episodes on Daily Mental Fitbit Podcast. So I used to struggle with it. But there, just being in the process and, and mastering the skill with every episode simply got me a skill. Now I love doing it. Like every episode I look forward to. Also the one which I only speak with myself. That was never available. So you never know
2: after learning skills what can happen. That's,
1: that's I'll remember that.
2: It's very interesting how you put it, the difference between skill and challenge level. And we're always looking at making things stick within our comfort zone and our box. And I think it requires stepping out of that, whether it is for passion or for the things that anything that makes us anxious for that matter.
0: Also, there's another logic to it, you know, if you have lots of skills and if your challenge levels are not enough, yes. Okay. What happens then? Like many times people think, okay, I was anxious and it was really difficult. Now over a period of time, they learn the skills. They build the skills. To a point, now the challenge is absolutely nothing in front of them. Now they look at their life and they're like, I still feel something is off. What do I do now? Like Because there's nothing to, to prove. prove. Nothing to prove, nothing to learn, nothing to explore, nothing to get them thinking. And that also... That level of boredom can also cause you
2: to feel anxious. Then it can cause you to question whether this is really your passion or not.
0: Right. And then you compare it with your other times where you enjoyed what you did. And you're like, why am I not enjoying? Is everything okay with my life? What if I'm just not good at it? So all the thoughts start filling your mind and the pattern makes you feel helpless in finding the joy you need to find. Not only helpless in solving the problem, but helpless in finding the joy. Because once you experience passion or enjoying something, you know how it feels. Then you can't fool yourself and say, no, no, it's
2: good enough. So when I first got into storytelling, it was just a hobby. Uh, It was just something I always loved to do. And I said, let's do a course and all that. So then there was all this pressure to then turn it into a career And that's when I was like, I am not really good at hustling or marketing. And so even today, the story, I do not have Instagram page promoting my stuff. I do not have, I don't remember to take photographs and videos. (laughs) And if I have anything, it's because of a kind hearted friend who's like, oh my God, this is really good. You should capture it. So I am bad at that aspect of it. So whatever I still do is entirely word of mouth. Mm. And so that is not, uh, so sometimes the level of anxiety that comes in is, um, like you said, like I know I can take on more challenges, but then this marketing side of it is not my skill set. So either someone else needs to come in there. It's something I can do. I still do, but it's not something I'm comfortable with discussing the whole a gamut of how does this go and how are we going to take it and the day-to-day aspects of it i'm very happy to come and do this session and entertain the kids and go away but yeah so the anxiety is the other let's say technical aspects of it so rohini
0: i think four five months into the webinars i realized that i cannot do a good job of it right i self-awareness self-assessment like horrible 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 the skill is not matching now that was a time i sat down and i said What is my larger idea? I might not know how to do webinars, but I am so clear that what I want to achieve is connect to people and give them the tools that can help them move forward in life. And that is never questioned. So if I can do it through a webinar, great. I tried, I'm learning the skill. I hope I get it. But if I don't, what do I do? So parallelly, I started hiring people who could go and approach the corporates. Then parallelly, we started the everyday podcast, Daily Mental Fitbit, because by then I knew I could podcast. I couldn't do webinar, but I know how to create podcast. Then we had somebody to change our entire content strategy because we realized our content can be made more bite-sized and people can enjoy and in the process, learn and explore mental gym. Now, all of it, is towards the larger idea to create awareness about mental fitness, which for me is my fundamental, if I have to use passion, that is the passion. To see people transform every single day, that is the passion. If I do that through a mental gym, through a podcast, through graphology, through anything, I would do it. Uh, there a- I love that. There was a point in my life, I was suffering from anxiety, actually, in 2018, 17, 18. And I was at a point at one of the lowest points reached in 2019. I sat there in one of those despair moments, And I'm like, talking to myself, if I have to make Idli Sambar for my entire life, and that can bring happiness to people, I will do it. But I just want to wake up every day and feel as if I am serving the larger idea. And you know what I had committed to. Luckily, now I make Italy Summers only for my family and friends and do the work that I love so much. But that was a moment I felt even if that's what it takes for me to serve the idea I had once had or I once committed to, I would have done it. Because passion is not in things, it's about how intensely involved you are. So if Italy is the passion, you do it. If, you know, doing the, the content is the passion, you would do it. If you know that what you're doing or rather why you're doing whatever you're doing. So get the why. So if telling stories to kids and actually creating the difference in their lives, if that's what you feel truly connected to, then all the steps in the middle, you will just go through them. And no matter how tough they appear to be in the beginning, eventually they will just, you'll figure a way or people will find a way. But you just keep connecting to the kids whose expressions and whose smiles you Care
2: for. Right. Yes. I love this. I love that you've encapsulated passion as two things. One is the intense involvement, like being completely present. And two is, you know, taking back the feeling, taking back what gives you joy. So let me cross one step of anxiety here and tell Sanjana that Sanjana, public speaking is something. Let's get on Zoom calls once a week because I teach public speaking as a cooperative. Oh. Let's see if I can help you. Done. <laughs> <I> so <laughs>
3: even I'm in. Even I' mean. and, uh, Rogini, I loved the way you put it across the point connecting the passion with the uh, with the with the with the technical or with the material thing with the material thing that definitely brings the anxiety out. I believe that's where in your role comes into picture when you can make the children understand and what's what's passion about how Aditi has defined it so beautifully yeah. even I got the the, the thing <laughs> of it so when <laughs> I'm thinking yet yeah, yes I do have some
2: passions. <laughs> Rohini, I'll definitely connect with you. We will bond over children and all of these. Oh, how nice, actually. Yeah, oh, how nice. So, um, Rohini, me too. (laughs) I'd be happy to. So, something about storytelling that I wanted to say is, I'm just happy to just go do it just for the sheer joy of it, you know, Uh, like your podcast. But then uh, when we did the course with Geeta Ramonajam, who's the founder of Katalia, she talked to us about, you know, Having that, adding that value to your time, you're putting so much time, effort, and so on. And then, but it's very difficult in our society. Like, I used to work in mainframes in <laughs> IT, right? So that is a niche skill which people will pay for. But right. for storytelling, is something like, you know, so I'm happy to do it for free, but then there's also this constraint where, you know, I want people to value my time. But then there is a gap because I'm not good at the marketing aspect of it. So sure. like...
0: So the other aspect of it is and social media has done complete justice for anybody who's passionate is to if you love doing what you do, you just show up and you do it.
2: So I even I, I like writing content. So I know that on my own, I'm not going to go approach people. So whatever I do is for friends and word of mouth. So, but then I have a friend who's really good at social media and the digital marketing and that aspect of it. So, you know, it's kind of set in my mind now that if this has to go somewhere, I need to work with her. Because like you which said... Is, Rohini, which is one of the ways. One of the ways.
0: The point, I, I you know, I always say that lean on others, but count on yourself. If okay. this friend joins hands and if you really figure it out, great. But you independently, you, you said, made two, three comments. And here I'm going to look at your handwriting. Sample before i comment about it so you said i am really good at it but i would not be doing this on my own right i would i will require uh, someone else to do it now here is a point where i'm looking at your writing your handwriting lo- leans to the right side and quite a bit to the right now anybody who has the slant which is not slightly tilted but very tilted they're natural at communicating They're natural at connecting with other people, understanding their perspectives, giving examples that would suit their preferences. So, if I have to look at your writing sample, I'm like, is this girl meant for IT mainframe? I would question that. But you are equally analytical, right? So, there's also a brain which is which I'm saying because when you write your letter M, it is pointed like sharp points, bringing in like observation, keen observation, analysis that all you bring to the table. Now, what you're saying is, can I really use my understanding of how to create something at a larger level and be analytical about the feedback I'm receiving? And can I be creative at the same time creating the content I believe in? Of course you can. The stopping factor here could be the planning and execution part of it. Can anybody tell me how do you talk about Bf. Execution? Bf.
2: Bf. Bf. the execution?
1: The
0: lowercase letter Bf. F, right? Yeah. So here the lowercase letter F is also well formed. It has an upper loop. It has a lower loop. Very well execution, good planning. So Rohini, all the excuses that you're giving to yourself do not hold true. Do you lack understanding? No. Do you lack uh, execution? No. Do you lack planning? No. Do you lack ability to really do it on and on and on every day? No, you are natural (laughs) at it. You know you're standing in your own way at this point in time. You have the talent. There are people who require your talent and you're just stopping yourself for some reason, which is only in your mind. True. Right. Very accurate assessment. (laughs) The judgment that you have about people who overshare and who only, you know, use it for self-promotion or celebrating one another or, you know, creating this unrealistic idea of who they are, how cool their lives are. Do you believe that if you go on social media, you become one of them?
2: Something to reflect on. But yes, that is also an upbringing thing of, uh, you know, never share your achievements or constantly downplay. And I was always brought up like that, that I would be topping my engineering class, but what would get discussed at family things would be that I didn't know to make chapati yet. So, so, you know, so I do understand from a a psychology perspective where that is self-limiting behavior. And that
0: self-limiting behavior... If you make it about you. Like when I started, I used to charge 50 rupees per analysis. And as as you know, 20 years ago, and as the time moved, uh, I feel it's not only the money, but I was equally committed that time to talk to the person or, or give them the changes or give them that feedback the way I'm right now, right? But what people understand of me, thanks to all the media sources available, shifted And now people understand the value at a larger level. So when I only had me and my limited understanding and my limited self and my ego to protect or my personality to protect, I could reach out to five people. Right? Today, collectively, if you have to see all the podcasts, whatever, whatever, 50,000, 70,000 people we reach every week. Wow. So the... And I I think the the world is an oyster for us to go and so much to be done. But it's not about we reaching people. It's about that same conversation that I always had in private. Today, so many people have access to it and they can transform and learn from the insights, not from me, but from the insights. So when you start serving the larger idea of, of your purpose or your reason or whatever you think you want to, create not achieve not personal achievement create to create that impact then it becomes bigger than you every time i realize that i am ashamed i'm anxious i know i am me focused and if i move that focus onto the impact we want to create then suddenly in a moment i'm willing to do whatever it takes Even if that means going and talking to a person I'm extremely uncomfortable talking to or throwing myself into situations where I have fallen on my face, I would still attempt doing it because me focused is about protection. The focus on the impact suddenly changes the way you look at it because then you become very small instrument into the whole game. True. Very thought provoking. And there you don't have anxiety because now you know that I am doing what is required to be done. Has it not happened to all of us when we are planning a party, for example, and many people are coming and you don't have ice, you run out of ice? Suddenly you think about 15 anybody's house, neighbors that you haven't spoken to ever, or like you can call that store, something you'll figure out because you have a situation and the situation is bigger than you. Now, you are only like a piece in the puzzle and you do whatever it takes. But when it is about you and you are the puzzle, then you have all the things that we bring in. And the need of the ego will always be protected. It always wants to be protected. It doesn't want to make you put into any danger. So when people will criticize you on social media or say, why are you being so like, you know, public about things and all of that, that is putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Like if I if spoke about how many people we reach out to, you can only imagine number of criticisms we receive every week. But once you see the impact, like small, small stories like these that I'm not even aware of, like Sanjana never spoke about listening. And now that I, I hear about her experience, I'm suddenly like, I'm like, only if we chose, only if we did this course or this podcast or whatever, people know about it, right? Otherwise, I would have never met Sanjana or Seema or you, Rohini, and I wouldn't have created any impact. I would have only been in the circle of five people I have personally was capable of meeting. Right? So don't do it for you. Like, I think the passion becomes a vehicle. It's not about us. It's about the impact that we can create.
2: Absolutely. So I'm going to take a uh, to-do item from everything you've spoken now. So there's an international award I won recently that social media hasn't seen the light of day. Okay. So I'm putting it up tonight. Congratulations. Oh, very nice. going up tonight. Very <laughs> nice. Also, I challenge you in front
0: of both these ladies to create uh-huh. one piece of content every week. If it's one yeah, little yeah. story that you can tell a child, any only one piece. All you got right. to do, you're amazing at speaking. All you got to do is set a camera and just like speak. Because
2: stories can transform the world.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely,
2: absolutely. You're my first guest on my podcast when I started. god I'm in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Naditi, when you were sharing about this shift in perspective from self to the larger purpose, right, I was just connecting the dots in my head when I spoke about like anxiety, right? It's only when I have just looked at like, you know, just children and they they have to do it. Like I have gone ahead and I have done it. Of course. I could just relate to what you shared and just... It's when
0: you speak to the adults who you can see are judging you and you're not perfect. And that all brings in pressure. But at the very moment we realize, oh, these are the adults who are here to learn from me so that I can create the larger impact on the kids. I'll take it. I'll do whatever it takes. These are only the puzzles on the way. I think that matters so much.
1: And I just had like all this talk of uh, personality and... uh, Graphology just made me very curious to ask one question. Uh, yes, so I was just thinking of, you know, what can I do next and about career switch. So uh, what do you think? Like uh, looking at my handwriting, what would my strengths be? Uh, what is it aligned to the kind of work um, that I can do where where it will it will be the best? You know.
0: Okay. Two questions. Do you have a few careers in mind?
1: So uh, something I really enjoy would be right now, I'm working in the field of education. So that is something I definitely enjoy. For me, I think something that I keep at the core will be whatever I do needs to serve a larger purpose. That's what I get the, you know, the kick from. Like I really, really value that. So definitely working with people would be something Uh, in education. uh, That's something that's on my mind right now. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I cannot take away from the mere experience of showing up in what you believe in. I'll tell you what I mean. The fact that I started the work when I was 14, like I I started graphology then, but at 18, I was working as a professional. And since then, I've been at this journey and never stopped learning from it. So learning from graphology or psychology or reading about it. I don't remember a single day on vacations. Also, I would spend some time like watching one video (laughs) or listening to like that's like staple. But the fact that you marinate yourself in one skill and it's not number of hours, it's the kind of intensity that you bring in and you stay there and keep challenging yourself has a value of its own. Okay. So if you haven't done that, or if you choose education or whatever you do, sometimes we move... Because this job doesn't provide me that happiness, but the job is not be all and end all of this field or career. I have met many people who get frustrated with a boss, a team, an organization, and then they decide to move careers. And this is where the problem is, because career or the passion, or that idea is much larger than one person or one team. So I tried applying graphology when I began in counseling. And I realized there's something missing. Then I said, oh, should I apply it for employee hiring? I tried that. And I soon realized that, okay, the selection process is like, you know, very, it's not as romantic or as, as I don't grow as much. It is like a good business, but it is a different learning curve. I hired people. And when I say I did it, I hired people. We trained them, like all of full, full jazz we did. And then I realized this is not something by 2008. Then I said, then I explored psychometric assessment in other fields. So I did four, five other psychometric assessment certifications internationally, combined them with graphology, presented that to corporates. And that worked for a bit. And I'm like, okay, what do I learn now? Then came coaching. And now came the mental gym. So if you look at my journey to figure my footing as a professional in this field, along with only analyzing people, which is a base skill. I kept on learning things that made this thing extremely unique. Needless to say, n number of training courses on voice modulation, on public speaking, on acting, on filmmaking, other body, mind, awareness related workshops. So all of that, like anything that is supportive to the field, you kind of, I kept learning. Now, the point I'm trying to make is all of this Today sounds like a profession that I knew. I didn't know. It took a lot of experimenting, falling, failing, losing money, making money, losing face, losing people to be able to figure out and stay in the journey. But I must tell you, after having gone through that and still knowing that you fall in love with the same thing over and over again, just made me so sure of what I want to do. Right. So, what people miss is when it becomes slightly intense, they're like, probably this is not for me. Mm-hmm. If you avoid the grind, you avoid the growth. Yeah. Grind is where the growth is. And, and it's not hustle. Like, if Rohini, and that's Rohini, I, I intervened and I barged into that space because I can see that talent and I can see how wonderful you are. But if you're just avoiding the grind because it is uncomfortable, then as a coach, it's my job to push you there to just see the grind. And don't even go in podcast, just social media. Like if you want to start a podcast, do it tomorrow. But I'm saying just begin with something that is your lowest hanging fruit. Sometimes we have the perfect ideas of how things should work out. One thing I've learned on my journey is there is nothing perfect. You experiment. If it works, great. You run with it. If it fails, falls. You realize that that experiment, that recipe didn't work. And you experiment again. And you experiment again until you find your answer until you find the song that you can sing forever. I love that. So this, I want to
3: add, Aditi, Uh, while you had analyzed my handwriting, you would mentioned that I shouldn't keep my brain...
0: So rather, you should keep the <laughs> brain busy. I remember keep
3: that, busy of course. Of so course. trust me, I've taken that verbatim and I get into short courses, I get to this crash courses, anything that is to read, that is to attend. Like as I said, I'm looking for a voice modulation as well. So that's very interesting kind of a thing.
0: And that is what we owe to ourselves, is to explore everything that we can probably do. We don't know. Human mind is so... Uh, elastic so plastic in that sense we can create so much but only if we challenge so back in the day people had to struggle till the end of their life and they had to survive and they had to figure things and go and fetch water they were more healthy in many ways because they were active today our lives are such that we are less active and our brains are not as stimulated it's stimulated with all the things on social all of that but it's not engaged and we are not like full fulfilling ourselves with like completion of things so so many things happening so that in-depth engagement and being completely present is where we find the physical and emotional and mental joy if you keep on putting yourself through those moments what we call passion the whole game changes and then then the whole experience becomes so different
3: my question would be uh, that yes, I have. I am doing the thing which I love to do. Still, there are times when I get into self doubt. Still, I get into self doubt. Uh, that am I am I on the right track? At times, I feel so self motivated, and I'm like, oh yes, this is the right thing I'm going to do. At the very next moment, you know, at times I fall on myself, uh, asking myself, will I be able to do it? Will I be able to give justice to the kind of thing that I've taken on me? So that's that's
0: that self doubt. So let me tell you that the whole idea of self-help industry made self-doubt completely wrong. Okay, they say, oh, you self-doubt yourself? You doubt yourself? How could you do it? Use affirmations. Keep telling yourself, I trust myself. I believe in myself. Now, there's, there are two parts to this skill, okay? I'm being sarcastic, but there are really two, part, two parts to this. One is where you look at yourself and you know that you don't la- don't have the skills, Second, you have the skills, but you have the self-doubt. Okay. Now, both of them, unfortunately, are considered as self-doubts. It is not your doubt. It is not that question is not about your abilities. The question is about your skill set. Now, that time, if you don't look at that and say, okay, wait a minute. Am I doubting myself or am I actually questioning my skills? Your life will be much easier because we might not have the skills as simple as that absolutely 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 right and that assessment is needed it's called self-awareness and not self-doubt we think it looks negative and it sounds negative but it is assessment if i do not know uh, if i don't know how to run and if i force myself to run like 10 kilometers because i believe in myself because i woke up with my application, <laughs> it's not gonna work i'm gonna hurt myself yeah, but if my part of me tells you Start with three kilometers and then go for four kilometers. It makes more sense because you know what your capacity is. Yeah. Just yes. now I
3: realized.
0: Yeah. I mean, so when do I get anxious? When there
3: are presentations. Uh-huh. So yes, I got
0: my answer. Wonderful. So this is only about the skill. So it's not self-doubt. It's about the, like assessment of the skill. Okay. Self-doubt could be the repetitive thought. To say, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. That time also sit down. And that part of you is saying you're not good enough, good enough, good enough. That part is trying to protect you. My simple tool is like I'm talking to you all, I'll make that part of me sit in front of me and like, okay, what are you concerned about? Like, I don't know, all of that, you know how anxious mind speaks. Okay, if that is happening, what do what do you think will solve the problem? But okay, if I have a person who knows this, will it help? Kind of. Oh, if I do it in a smaller scale, will it help? Yeah, probably. If I do it step by step and do it for three days, and it sounds stupid, but super effective. You sit yourself down. That's my favorite thing to do. Like Journaling is all about sitting yourself down and putting things in perspective, right? So you sit yourself. And I've had conversations with myself as if I'm coaching myself. So why am I telling you? Because it's a tool. Talking to yourself, coaching yourself and understanding where the fear lies, it's a tool. So when I understand, okay, I'm really scared because... Last time I was humiliated and now I feel that I will be humiliated again. And there are possibilities that I will be able to recreate that experience for myself. That time you create some mechanism. So you either take baby steps or you have an expert by your side. Or you read and you study and you create a format that you have never tried before. So all of this is needed. None of it is about just ignoring self-doubt. It's about dealing with it. Thank you so much, Aditi. So, let me take the opportunity to tell
3: this to Sanjana and Rohini that the signature thing has really helped me. It really helped me because my ease, which Aditi was so. Um, I used to, while, while talking also, I used to leave the sentences half. And even the work wise, execution was, I was terrible into it. But yes, I I noticed that change in me. So, yes, so I am promoting you, Aditi. Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 really no.
0: so thank you so much everybody for being part of this
2: wonderful conversation
1: thank you thank you
2: so much thank you for having us it's been very interesting and very enlightening and inspiring so thank you it was
0: great connecting with Sanjana and Rohini
2: as well yes I know I know know. all of you
0: are crazy women who are in like you know multiple fields all of you have changed careers now figuring out and have so yes. much in common. It's phenomenal <laughs> how it happens. Thank you so much for being part of this wonderful conversation, ladies. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about graphology, the next graphology masterclass is on the way. Please check out aditisurana.com slash learn graphology. That's the link. You can find the next masterclass. We talk about 20 different traits and many more factors that can actually allow you to analyze yourself, your family members, your bosses, your kids, anybody you like. So go ahead, check it out. If you want to know how the Mental Gym works, then the link is aptmentalgym.com. Every month, we start our new batches to explore what can we do to be mentally and emotionally fit. I'll see you on next Wednesday. Till then, happy writing.